Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the in and After Show. It's me, Lindsay Loveridge, and with me today is James Beckett. What up? Cover- recovering from preview guide and just got his daily streaming assignments how'd you make it out of the daily streaming assignments James? i mean i never thought i would be like decently excited to have a show called um pharma uh, what, what, i can't remember. pharmacy in another world another parallel world, world pharmacy. parallel world pharmacy i yeah. should probably learn the title uh, before <laughs> i start writing about it but yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that just because it was an actually decent and entertaining isekai premiere Oh, um, okay, Abyss great. Is, is Made in Abyss, which is wonderful. Uh, Yuri Deco is, I think, going to be a blast. It's probably going to be a challenge to write about just to, like, wrap my head around every single detail yeah. that they cram into those episodes. Yeah, we've talked about that a bit, I think, last week, just how there's, like, a lot of uh, tech stuff going yeah. on on top of all the Huckleberry Finn stuff that's I know. going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Such a strange marriage of, yes. of ideas. I don't think, yeah. I wonder what Mark Twain would think. If he could see they what has become of his work. Today. He'd probably have um, a lot of hot takes. His Twitter, I think, would be one to follow. I think Mark Twain's Twitter would be an all-timer. I think both Mark Twain and Orson Welles would have podcasts if they were alive in this oh, day and totally age. Would. Totally would. Yeah. Uh, Orson yes. Welles would just have like an angry political podcast. And Mark Twain would just have a podcast where he and his buddies talk about whatever the hell they want. And it's not like related to anything that's going on. Just just Mark Twain and Chill sort of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this week, we're going to talk about my favorite belt buckles. <laughs> yeah. Well, this week, we're not talking about belt buckles, but we are going to talk about the new series that we're covering for the season, which is Made in Abyss, the Golden City of the Scorching Dawn. I got all my dawns and suns and hots arranged in the right order that time. I think I mixed them up last time we talked about them. But yeah, the second season of Made in Abyss is finally back. Um, if you're not caught up, we actually did a podcast um, a month or so ago about the movie Dawn of the Deep Soul, which you need to have watched to follow up with this season because there's some important developments. So we're going to talk about the first two episodes of that, which are now out streaming on High Dive. But before that, we're going to get to just two, just two little news items um, that came out over the week. One is about another Netflix live action, but it's not One Piece. And the other one is about Makoto Shinkai's new movie, which has a new beautiful trailer out that we're going to watch and, and talk about. Um, his new movie is called Suzume no Tojimari. And if I remember correctly, Crunchyroll already said that they will release the film um, domestically for us. Uh, Crunchyroll, Sony Pictures Entertainment, and Wild Bunch, who I know mostly from um, Red Turtle, actually. Oh, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. Uh, they're going to release the film worldwide uh, early next year. And it opens in Japan on November 11th. So okay. let me cue up the trailer for that. Start it over because I've already watched it once. And here we go. Do, do. I'm going to turn the sound down. Again, you need to watch this on YouTube if you want to get the sound. There's not really any narration in it. This is all a uh, background song for for the visuals. And so you can see it's the subtitles song. there. Yes, it is a pretty song. Although I still think the five centimeters per second song is the best one that's been attached to any of these Shinkai movies. <laughs> but my first reaction when watching this was, oh, no, he's hot. I know. Yes. He's like weirdly hot. Like, For a, kind of film, I mean, usually the guys are, you know, about like the same ages as the female protagonists and tend to have the same kind of youthful look to them. But this guy seems older. Like, he's like a man. He's probably like 23, but he looks like, in, you know. In anime years, that's like 40. So. I know, right? Right. But he's got a beauty mark and long hair and obviously a tra- some kind of tragic backstory. Um We've got these supernatural elements happening too. This, and there's a cute cat and a chair that honestly reminds me of uh, that Studio Colorido short that they did, where a chair comes alive and like a girl sits on it and then she does like a wild ride through uh, her neighborhood. If you haven't seen it, uh, look it up. It's only like about five minutes, but that you cat can actually is freaking adorable. Yes, 
but you can pick up a lot of hints sort of about things uh, from this trailer as well. Like, again, there's, there's sort of the strange door and uh, unlocking it or opening it, but this chair seems to have some emotional resonance, I think, for the male character, because we see him sitting on it at one point, and it seems that he maybe built it. Um, also, the over... No, don't don't automatically play the next thing. Um, the overarching plot, which I'll I'll just read out what uh, Comics Wave Films did to just uh, describe the story, and that's seventeen-year-old Suzume, who's the girl that we see at the beginning. Okay, um, I guess hopefully he's not twenty-three. Then that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we'll see. Maybe they won't have. You know, I mean, it's a Shinkai film, so I have a hard time saying, oh, there probably won't be you know any romantic development between them but he also did the one about you know the teenage boy and the much older woman and making shoes the foot fetish movie in, in the fancy garden so who knows <laughs> but in in this film it takes place in a quiet town in Kyushu and Suzume encounters a young man who tells her I'm looking for a door what Suzume f- finds is a single weathered door standing upright in the midst of ruins as though it was shielded from whatever catastrophe struck seemingly mesmerized by its power Suzume reaches for the doorknob Doors begin to open one after another all across Japan, unleashing destruction upon any who are near. Suzume must close these portals to prevent further disaster. The stars, the sunset, the morning sky. Within that realm, it was as though all time had melted together in the sky. Drawn in by this mysterious door, Suzume's journey is about to begin. I mean, it wouldn't be a Shinkai film without like beautiful skies anyway. But And, and, glo- and global catastrophe. And global catastrophe. You know, so. we got... Also got that with Weathering With You and, um, oh, well, technically your name as well, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that was, that was like, more local, but still, you know, yeah, people died. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of, um, still kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. I yeah. just think it's funny that uh, back when the movie was first announced and um, there was that little snippet about how, like, the movie's about closing doors uh, in a sense that it's, like, about, um, like, you know, Moving on, Close it, moving on, and and yeah. shutting the door on your past. But I, I do love that it does is also very literally about having to physically close a bunch of magic doors, or else the world will end. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's the kind of galaxy brain yeah. Makoto Shinkai concept. Why well, stick with just small personal stakes when you can make someone's emotional problems everyone's problem too? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm actually looking forward to it. Just based on that trailer, I was intrigued. I thought it looked really pretty. Um, the guy's really hot. So um, yeah. I want to see it sooner rather than, than later in this case. I, I kind of slipped on the other two movies. And I, I actually haven't seen all of Shinkai's OVA, but yeah. I mean, I feel like at, at this point, he can pretty much do whatever he wants, right? He's sort of yeah. He sort of hit that blank check territory where you know, his movies are at the very least um, in Japan and, and even internationally at this point, they're they're guaranteed to make a decent amount of money compared to most theatrical anime yeah. um, that, that get released. Or, I mean, it's changing a little bit, but, you know. Um, so I think that if anything, I'm excited to see what he does with that freedom. I would really love to see him uh, maybe take some risks. I know that we were talking a little bit about how... Um, uh, weathering with you was a bit divisive in regards to some of the the risks that it took with with its storytelling. Yeah, and I I want more of that. Like I want it to get yeah. weird. I want it to get, uh, you know, I love uh, glorious, ambitious messes. I would much rather a movie be really weird and 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 strange and take a bunch of chances than just be, you know, your name over and over again. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't know what the status of this is. Like a. American cinema adaptation of Your Name was supposed to be in the works. I don't think animated. I think a live action version. That was JJ Abrams. Was that was that? Like, is it JJ attached to? Something. Like that. <laughs> I don't remember who's attached to it, but that was supposed to be happening. But yeah, I'd like to see you know, Makoto Shinkai take some some narrative risks. And this one at least seems. I don't know. I don't want to say it's like more supernatural than his previous ones. I mean, one was body swapping, and then weathering with you. It was. A, a girl who could literally make it stop raining by dancing. So, I mean, it still seems like it has that element to it. Um, seems a bit more action-driven. It does seem... Yeah, I am getting a more action-driven vibe from it. And, again, I guess I would like... I'd like to see him maybe move outside of characters, folk, like, 
in the same uh like like life place yeah. like it's you know okay i mean 17 year olds sure but i mean you can do these same sort of grand uh dramatic stories with 40 50 like make a movie where the people are like 60 plus years old or something there's like there's a whole bunch of emotional and thematic elements that you can do just by changing the the status quo of the characters not making them high schoolers i know it, it makes me miss satoshi kon so much yeah every single one of his movies was such like a drastically different perspective and tone yeah um, i mean you have paprika you have perfect blue you have uh tokyo godfathers and yeah i feel like this is not something we see anymore or at least nowhere near Millennium i mean actress too like yeah. and all of those are about adults yes yeah yeah all of them are about adults. You're like listing them off. I'm like now that you mentioned it, all of them were professional career people or, you know, in the case of Tokyo Godfathers, I think there's like one uh, elementary, not elementary, sorry, teenage character in it, but it's a trio and the other two are deaf, are like older, yeah. homeless people. So yeah. Anybody, please. Just yeah, just, I mean, look, I, I get it. Mm -hmm. High school was a wonderful time. Everything's was magical. It? Uh, no, but no. You, you know, it's the time in your life when everything feels the biggest and the most important um, and the most in flux. And it's, you know, it's ripe for all kinds of drama. But I mean, we're like, I, I turned 30 this year. I just, I need, I need more stories about adults. <laughs> I, yeah. do. I need more stories about real adults with real problems. Yeah. Um, and you get them every now and then. Um, and th there was one show that just came out and I reviewed it, which makes me furious that I'm forgetting its title. But um, the the one about the 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 woman who started hosting the, the radio show. Um, uh, <laughs> there's exclamation points in yes. the name. Um, like, Please listen wave to me. Wave, listen to me. Wave, listen to me. Thank you. Uh, wave, listen to me. That show was not perfect, but I just loved that it was about a, a woman in her 30s who's just a hot mess trying to figure things out it's like yes yeah <laughs> more of that yeah yeah or um makes you did disco tech licensors it's still like not licensed but there's uh the miyoko ano anime uh hataraki man which is also like about a professional woman i think she she's a journalist um it's really good uh but wasn't picked up for a long time, if it's been even been picked up. And now I'm thinking like her other Magical Girl series hasn't either. Why is no one licensing the Moyoko Ano stuff? Anyway, um, yeah, I just I would like to see more of that. The other one that I think we got last season that was aged up was that badminton anime that was all salary men on the badminton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ryman's That's Club. And I guess we have the, the Yakuza one this season. Yes. I mean, there's still a small child in that, but yeah, there's it's a little yeah, more niche. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. His problems are, are fairly specific to the profession, but yeah, probably, probably for sure. All right. The next thing I wanted to talk about is the upcoming live action Yu Yu Hakusho series. So this is being put together um, by Netflix, specifically Netflix Japan. So kind of go into, I'm going into my expectations with that specifically, because there tends to be the casting for Japanese live action shows tends to veer more towards like promotional actors that already have a fan base, like idols and whatnot compared to like serious drama actors. That being said, um, I would like everyone's opinions on how these heavily airbrushed promotional images look for the upcoming show. Um, the latest one that was shown is uh, Hie, who is going to be played by Kanata Hongo, who was also in the live action Attack on Titan, Full Metal Alchemist, and Gantz. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, Hie does not wear a turtleneck. <laughs> um, it has been a solid 20 years since mm -hmm. I've, I've really sat down with Yu Haku Show. So I would I would I would need to do some Googling, but I'm gonna go ahead and say off the top of my head, probably not. 
Probably not. Probably. Actually, you know what? I'll take this down for a second. I will open a second window so oh. we can we can do character compare con uh, contrast at the same time. This is not the smoothest way to do this, but it will uh, kind of serve our purpose here. Here we go. Here's just um, let me just expand this. This is. <laughs> Uh, it's taking me to, you know, uh, fandom.com, of course. <laughs> always got That's like always the first things that come up is the wikis. I, I so. just have to say that uh, the, the, the first thing that popped into my head when, when I saw these pictures was um, what's more fraught when an American <laughs> company adapts an anime into live action for Netflix or when, when a Japanese company adapts an anime into live action for anything? Because like what is... What is the better option of the two, really? Um, I, I I know this is a really common God. criticism. Yeah. And so I'm not seeing anything new. But we need to get every single hairdresser and costume designer in Japan in, in a room. And we need to have an intervention. Because this at way, some point, man. Yeah, we, we need to come to the terms of the fact that a long-ass time ago, Japan decided that it was just going to go buck wild with the hair colors in anime, which is fine. Yeah, sure. But we can't just try to one for one replicate that in live action because it is going to look really stupid 99% of the time because that's not how human hair looks. Yeah. Ever. Now, I feel like, you know, you could do kind of a large faux hawk or sort of. Um, not his looks fine. His hair looks fine. It looks like real hair, which is yes, something. yes. Um, you the know. turtleneck really is not. I don't know. I mean, is it like a tactical turtleneck, like Archer style? I don't um, know. <laughs> or if it's just J Crew, I have no idea. <laughs> but I mean, his original character design, he wears kind of a. Should we call it a gi? It looks like a dress. I'm not gonna lie. It looks like he wears like a. a long sleeve black dress it has pockets which is great big fan yes. of those on my dresses um and then some kind of like bunchy pants and some boots and then the white is just sort of a scarf of sorts and i feel like you could still adapt that um to yeah. live action um if you don't you know if you want to change out the robe or whatever but i'm just saying he's not wearing a turtleneck okay you can get like um, one of those short scarf styles, you know, that are kind of popular um, in like hot weather areas. Yeah. They were really in for a while. I even had one um, and just tie it there like or do like a neckerchief. I don't know. I don't know. Um, next up is uh, Jun Shison, who's playing Kurama. Um, let me see if I, I want to want that to be bigger, but it's not. Anyway, it is impressive um, that they that they actually managed to find uh, a presumably grown actor that does in fact look fourteen. So that's uh, yeah, he does have like a really youthful <laughs> look like to him, which is good. And I think his uh, his hair his hair also looks fine. Yeah. And we can only really see that he's wearing um, the traditional what looks like the traditional uh, Japanese boys' uniform in green with a black shirt underneath. So I mean that doesn't. That doesn't look awful either compared to uh, the main character, but I have. We got to scroll down. I'm sorry. So this is yeah. This is Takumi Kitamura as Yusuke. My yeah. bad. It's Jun Shison as Kurama with the really okay. So I have known like that's straight. It looks like a helmet. It looks like there's a helmet. This is just not a good wig. Okay, <laughs> it's, a bad it's wig. just not a good wig. What bothers me the most about it, I think, is that this is a hair color that I have seen women do. Usually they're older. Like when you start, when you kind of want to do a little bit of an edgy red without like getting into full on um, like designer hair color that washes out really quick, you, you do this one. Um, it's not a bad color. You can pull it off on real hair. I guess that's, I guess that's my thing. And I'm sure, I'm not sure. My educated guess is that they won't actually treat the hair because these actors have other engagements that they do that are idol related and whatnot. So unlike Hollywood actors who will 
drastically sometimes change their hair for a roll, uh, they slap a wig on them instead, and then they don't have to bleach their hair and grow it out. And um, you could do this with hair extensions, though. I was gonna say, like, you like highlights, you know, like just like yeah. they don't need to go for a full dye job. In fact, I yeah. I would argue that. I think it looks better when there's just like a little, like a little bit of color, just to kind of you know call mm -hmm. back to the character if it's that important. Yeah. Um, but this to me, I mean, this is just when it, it looks like cosplay, good cosplay. Yeah. But yeah. It just doesn't feel. I mean, maybe it'll look better in motion, but <laughs> press X to doubt. Um, yeah. I'm I don't know. flashbacks to the live action Full Metal, Metal Alchemist. Alchemist. Yes. That's exactly where my brain went. Um, yeah, it's just this. I mean, this isn't unique again to this, like this Netflix show in particular. If you go look up uh, the live action JoJo's that they did, or if you look up um, just a lot of live action anime films, I even thought the live action uh, Gintama looked kind of wonky, um, and that right. one wasn't. I that to me seemed a little better than than some of these productions get, but it was still like question you're, you're trying too hard to like bring a literal cartoon into the real world like we gotta adapt a bit yeah 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 i think if you're not gonna do hair extensions or if you're not gonna fully commit to like giving them a, a dye job like then because i this this color this specific like dark color now my hair isn't black but it's pretty much the darkest brown you can get to before you get to black, at least according to stylists that I've seen when I did dye my hair. So it's difficult for me to do most, like when the pastel colors were really in, like rose and stuff like that. I really wanted to do it, but I just like my hair won't allow me to process it <laughs> to the status it needs to get in order for that color to, to show up correctly. So, um, so I don't know for sure, but this this kind of red you can usually put over pretty dark hair and still get um, some color when you're like in the light and whatnot. Like if the stage was lit correctly, you could see the color when he moved, um, even if it would still look mostly black or a really dark brown otherwise. So I, yes, I feel like they could have just put this color on his hair without doing the wig at all and gotten that kind of like the highlights that you were talking about. Um, again, like maybe the length is a problem. He's not going to grow out his hair that long, which I say, well, then you need to completely revamp the character design. And if you can't, I don't, just don't use the wig. I'm just really mad yeah. about the wig, I guess is what it is. So anyway, this is going to be coming, uh, to Netflix someday. in Japan someday. Uh, it's still, it's still in the works. Um, Netflix signed a, a contract, multi-year contract with Toho's stage facilities um, starting in April. So I don't know, maybe that's where they're shooting at uh, Toho Studios. Ten, they've got 10 sound stages in stage seven and stage 10 and two acting centers and a production center all to create original programming. So this is sort of in conjunction with that deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We'll I yeah, I guess I guess we will it'll, see. I mean, with any luck, we'll score off, and it'll be like live live action uh, Western One Piece versus live action Yu Yu Hakusho and at the same time, yeah. battle for the ages. Well, we know at least with the live action One Piece, like they are dropping money on those sets. So I know, which is uh, a pr a pretty good sign that it probably won't get a season two at this point. Yeah, not unless it is ridiculously. Well received. Unless it is Stranger Things numbers. If that happens, yeah. then sure. Then because they're yeah. gonna need a new Stranger Things, but they are. And I mean, one of the things people have said about Netflix in general, uh, that they need to move more quickly on if they want to make money off these kind of big property investments is their merchandising. So I mean, I think if they want this the one piece to be their next Stranger Things, they need to move quicker on making sure that they've got the action figures and yeah. all kinds of all kinds of stuff out. Okay, James, it's time to discuss our favorite grossest anime, I, Made I in hope, Abyss. I hope you all brought a meal. Oh, God. This is the perfect, this is the perfect episode to eat like a, a nice hot bowl of stew. <laughs> so maybe, maybe some egg rolls. Maybe some egg rolls. So content warning before we start. Um, episode one already opens with... Um, 
I wouldn't say it's graphic, but it's enough to maybe be upsetting. With it's depicted, uh, depicted so. um, child sexual assault. So that is kind of part of a prominent backstory of a new character, and we probably will be discussing that um, not in graphic terms, but discussing that element. So I just wanted to let people know. Uh, the other stuff is just gross. Got some There's, poop. We got some poop. We got some questionable meals. All Maybe. is on. Yep. Yeah. All is on the table. So let's jump back in to the giant pit that is made of the abyss. <laughs> the giant pit. That's the, the ultimate title for pit. the show. Giant pit. So, uh, James, you want to give us like a quick rundown about the new crew? Because we open up actually not with Reg, Rico, and the Nachi, but with whole new characters. And that's actually the first, would you say two thirds ish of the yeah. first episode is actually. I'd say more than that. Like, kind of almost like maybe, it feels like four fifths. Like, we barely see any of, of the, the regular crew. Yeah, until the, like the very end, and it picks up for them. It picks right up after Dawn of the Deep Soul. So, who are these new folks? Um, it takes place in the past, doesn't it? I'm not yeah, gonna... yeah. Okay. Before before Earth even exists, we find out. Yeah, and this is back when everything surrounding the giant pit um, is just um, not uninhabited, but it is undeveloped jungle. Right there, right. Um, they're they're tribal people that are living there. And uh, the crew that we meet are the Ganja, who are basically, they, they kind of describe themselves as like a suicide cult, okay. in the sense that everyone that goes into the abyss is kind of a part of a suicide cult, because yeah. um, they are cast-offs from their own societies. And again, we haven't really seen enough of the world beyond the entrance to the abyss to really know what, what that's even like but yeah. um they're all sort of people that have either been abandoned or have abandoned you know their homes and their societies to join up with the ganja um to search for this fabled mythical abyss which is not even like a known quantity at this point it's sort of a a place of of legend and this compass here um that we learn about during the very unfortunate um scene of uh, a character being assaulted is um the compass that leads the ganja to the abyss itself right and so there's a uh, voico um, yeah Vuiko, where yeah. we've been arguing over <laughs> how to pronounce v-u-e-k-o but i think it's voico that's what i've been saying vuico something like that vuico i don't know so. But um, she is the um, former, I mean, I guess you call her, she was a sex slave. Mm -hmm. um, and she managed to get out of that situation and steal the compass from her abuser. And uh, she has joined up with the ganja to, to seek the abyss. And the other two members of the uh, ganja that we meet are uh, Wazukian. Did I get that one right? Yeah, Wazukian, who is their intrepid leader that likes to eat bugs and give uh, inspiring speeches. This is a Vueco, by the way. She always she's very seasick in this picture, but everyone in this crew also looks exhausted, like all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, I think she mentioned that like uh, as of this point, they've been at, they've been at sea for like twenty days with yeah. no port of call. So you know, not a lot of food, not a lot of resources. Yeah. Um, but uh, Wazukian is their intrepid leader, and he's pretty positive and and pretty supportive and yeah um he's the one that everyone is sort of following and and is is taking um he's taking charge and then there's uh Beloff, who is a very cute boy that uh Voiko has very clearly taken a liking to yeah she thinks he's beautiful um, i mean he, he's got some he's got he's got those big blue eyes so. yeah he's also got um a backstory scar that we're not aware of but i'm sure maybe at some point if it's not a birthmark uh, but he's I was got gonna say, his... I think um, his father his father was actually the ruler of the Fire Nation. And, oh, um, okay. Yeah, when he failed his father uh, and was banished uh, to hunt for the Avatar, uh, he was given that scar. So uh, that's that's spoilers from the manga, but um, you know, uh, I was like on board with you there. For I'm like, did I fall asleep or something? And I forgot this. And no, I'm like, like no, three this whole books, like a backstory for him. Or is this this is just Avatar. No. <laughs> no. 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 His name's Beloff, not Zuko, so it's different. <laughs> it's different. Okay. 
Okay. It's like how parallel world pharmacy and pharmacy in a parallel world are two completely different properties. I don't know why that's like a, a tiny niche where we keep sending pharmacists to other worlds to develop drugs or something. We also have like basically isekai tax attorney at this point. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so there's Belloff. Yep. Our beautiful boy here. And the leader who I have a, a picture of back. But we go back. I'm not going to try his name. I've already forgotten it other than it starts with a W and has like a Kya in there. But he just, you know, he also looks exhausted, but he looks like a good dad. I'm going to probably regret saying that in a few episodes, but right now he looks like a good dad. Yeah. All of the good dads in Maven Abyss are, are suspect. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, my rule of thumb. I don't trust any of them, not even a little bit. But yeah, right now he seems to be good with the kids. He's, he tells Avueco that she's like a sage, right? Yeah, yeah, one of yeah. the like the, one of the, the three sages or something, mm -hmm. um, because of her, she has her compass and and they're trusting her to to lead them to their to their goal, and so and they find it, they find yep. the abyss, they do, and it's just as spooky and otherworldly and haunting as it's always been. Yep, and they yeah they believe that there's a, a golden city down there, which is sort of like a El Dorado type situation. Um, yeah, there, there's even, like, Wazukian has kind of the, the old-fashioned armor that kind of call, harkens back to, like, conquistadors. Um, they're, they're dealing with the, the natives that live around the entrance to the abyss. And, yeah, I think it's it's very much sort of playing on that, that imagery. Yeah, they, uh, oh, I think, do we have a picture of her in here? Okay, yeah. What is with Maiden Abyss and sniffing? Can anyone, James... I have a like, theory, but I don't know if I don't know if anyone's going to like the theory. Well, I mean, is there a theory beyond dude who makes this is like into sweat? I mean, I mean, there's a whole other manga it's supposed to be pretty good called Soap and Sweat that I am aware of. It's a Jose manga, I believe. Um, stars an office lady. Maybe he's our coworker. I haven't read it. Anyway, it all centers around the fact that he likes the way she smells when she's sweaty, um, and that's a thing. I mean. And when it's between two consenting adults, that is that is also totally yep. cool. <laughs> Go for it. And I know there's a whole, um, you know, a whole industry dedicated just to selling your used items so other people can smell them. So that being said, yes, uh, this little blonde girl who is next to Vueco, um sniffs her a whole bunch, and then they end up taking her on as a, another guide into the abyss itself. Um, and she's the one that like ex basically explains what the curse of the abyss is because at first yeah. they're like, "What's happening? Are we getting poisoned?" Yeah, and the natives all speak a different language, but um, Belloff appears to know it to some yeah. degree. That's I didn't really understand. Yeah, because he he specifically points out that he was he he did not expect there to be people, right? Based on his intel, right? And so I don't know if the implication is that the people here are. I mean. Like, uh, I don't know if it's kind of like with, like, I'm from Guam and, you yeah. know, we can trace our ancestry back to like the, the, the Philippine islands. So right. I don't know if it's like, there's a, there's a civilization not too far away from here that speaks the same language and, you know, a bunch That's of. That's kind of what I was assuming that it was some sort of like split off from, from a common ancestor, even like maybe, well, not everyone on the crew can speak the language other than Belloff, but it might be like a, another regional language that they're familiar with. But that being said, the natives that do live here, like they would have had to get here through very treacherous means because the island itself is like surrounded by whirlpools and other kind of scary stuff you'd see on an old timey map. I'm surprised there wasn't like sea monsters and, and stuff going through there. So however they got there, maybe they've been there for a long time. Um, but yeah, only Belloff's really able to communicate with her. And it doesn't seem like he has like full grasp of the language necessarily, but just enough that there is a, communi a communication link. Yeah. So, so with that, they, they descend into the abyss itself. Oh, I think it's, we should maybe note that, that there was a really specific mention, which I thought was, I mean, it's weird in the same way that so much of the show is weird. Yeah. But um, they, they specifically mentioned that the girl that is sort of uh, paired up with Voiko, um has been cast out of 
the the village because she cannot have children. Um, and I want to know how they know that. She doesn't look old enough. Like she, I mean, everyone in this show, unless they're like a an adult adult, are squishy looking kiddos, right? Like, yeah. I don't know that you could necessarily rely on character design to tell the difference between like a eight-year-old and a 15-year-old in this show because everyone's just sort of like lanky noodles. Um, that being said, she looks like she's like eight years old. Um, and the closest thing I could come up with with why they would even know that is because she hasn't menstruated, but she doesn't look to be of an age where that would be something she should have started by now. I know. So, the, the only other things I could even come up with were... Neither, neither are, are great. Mm -hmm. uh, one would be that they're um, discriminating against her, maybe because she's like intersex. Okay. Or there's like some, you know, some oh. non-conventional uh, uh, biological uh, features going on that they just are not. Oh, okay. Cool. Like, as far as like her genitalia itself yeah. and the way it, it like presents itself, that you'd be able to physically look at it because these, I mean, they don't have like yeah medical equipment or anything like that. Um, and the only other thing that I could think of, and I think it's partially because I was just thinking about the way it established Voiko's whole backstory is um, it showed that like that, uh, the, that the girl was pretty badly beaten up, like on her back and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know if that was like just because of like the, the mark, the tattoo they gave her or what. But yeah. um, I mean, it, it could be one of those things where if she was like some kind of slave or she was being like regularly, like physically abused, that they would just like... I don't know. None yeah. of it's good. None of it really yeah. seems great. But yeah, yeah. And I, I can't remember. So correct me if I'm wrong. But I thought that Vuego said she was in a similar situation, where I don't know, like that she can't conceive either. Maybe that. that I might have like. <laughs> I might have like phased out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I would have been like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's more. I'd have to go uh, back and, and recheck because when that conversation comes up, I thought that she related to her because of that reason and that might have led to their bonding a little bit. Well, there's that um, weird line where she like tries to to pitch adding the girl to the crew because of how supple her body is, which is like wide. Yeah. I didn't know if that was like a translation thing cuz the translation oh. of the show is usually pretty pretty on point, so I that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, you can read a lot into that based on her own backstory and what she might assume other people will value and then kind of using that knowledge to an attempt to like make sure this girl gets to go with them so that she can watch over her but yeah that was weird yeah she did she did have that moment earlier in the episode where she said that she didn't feel valuable because she wasn't physically pretty and right bailoff had to be like that's not what makes how beauty valuable. work yeah. also so, excuse me everyone i'm eating sriracha almonds so, good. <laughs> we did say to bring food. But yeah, they go further down into the abyss, and then it finally switches to our, our usual trio, who have reached the Golden City area, more or less. And it looks so hot. No, well, Lindsay, we can't forget the incredibly plot-critical scene. Oh yeah, where Rico takes a hot dump in the middle of there, in the Did middle you, of their well, bubble you see, crack. I don't think you sent me screenshots of that, so no, I'm just gonna. No, I didn't want to get us like I didn't want to get us like demonetized or whatever. But there is this beautiful moment where where Nanachi takes a takes a minute to stare deep into the abyss uh, that that Rico is the toilet, um, just so that a Bondrude can get a look at it. Yeah. That's what's happening in this screenshot here. So they're in an elevator. That's what it ended up sort of being. It reminded me a lot of a uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or um, like a bathosphere sort of thing. Yeah. So they get into this and it's like they're just sinking for a very, very long period of time. There is like kind of an ocean sort of thing that they go through because we do see some fishy monsters and stuff that were pretty cool. But yeah, Rico's got to take a dump. There's a weird small crater inside the elevator she takes a dump in there it wasn't as graphic as i was expecting it to be the sounds were surprising 
I was very surprised at how in depth the sound design got. Yeah, yeah. Because anime I mean, usually doesn't do that. But right, right. With this scene though, it was kind of like um, Dawn of the Deep Soul again, where like I avoided it because I was expecting the scene with Reg and the machine to be like really, really long and awful. And then uh, people started telling me, yeah, they take a massive dump in the first episode of the new Maiden Abyss. I'm like, oh god, I have to watch this put it off for a couple days and then it, i was glad that it was we don't ever see the poop no, it was I more guess. for a joke it was a joke. It was more for a joke yeah so yes um and i did like that nanachi was like hey von druid check out this giant deuce that rico laid you stupid bastard so. this is what you are as a person <laughs> stupid piece of shit so yeah and then they reach beautiful uh ruins it looks actually pretty technologically advanced down there just kind of based on how things looked it reminded me a little bit of um the second wizard of oz movie oh yeah yeah i can see that yeah There's definitely signs of like a civil like from the beginning we've known that all of these layers are it's basically civilization on you know on top of civilization yeah um but outside of just like very small snippets of, of ruins or or um or graves like we haven't really learned a whole lot about or seen much of like what these places were or what they might have looked like and and this place definitely seems a lot more uh lived in i guess you could yeah. say yeah i also really like the introduction of the new legendary pokemon oh i know um, that we're seeing here this is just good design i love this thing is it kind of a dragon sort of uh elk sort of fire thing i don't know like an anteater face i i uh maiden abyss has some of the best fantasy creature designs i've ever seen i think yeah um and this is i think one of the all-timers like it's genuinely just beautiful and scary mm -hmm. and weird. yeah i was like dang guys i bet that tail like unfurls and like shoots poison stuff out of it or who even knows i hope we I hope it comes back do we though? Because <laughs> I feel like if it comes back, we know exactly who's going to bear the brunt of all of that suffering. Yeah, yeah, Reg, probably. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of suffering, um, food. Oh. This was so gross, guys. This was so gross. So Rico's like really into eating disgusting new things. Like like you know she gets kind of like a kick out of figuring out how to make something delicious. And most of the time, yeah, it's gross. Um, but There's I don't a disgusting it... slime fish in uh, the movie. Yes. It was just made of snot. Yes, that was really gross. Um, I can't remember many from the first season that like stuck with me. So I've either blanked them out to save my sanity or they just didn't hit me quite as bad as this one did. Um, James and I were talking about how it's similar to um, duck embryo type situation only you know like further out into the gross sphere even from that um, they get they steal eggs an egg from a poor unsuspecting creature <laughs> they just steal this egg and then it, the shell is like really hard it seems more like a carapace than like an actual like egg shell or something like that yeah it looks like uh, something out of hollow knight like one of the little containers you bust open in hollow. Yeah. But undeterred, Rico decides to boil it and fry it. And the embryo is still twitching the whole time. And then they eat it. And it plops out. Like, it, again, the sound design, kudos. Because um, it's horrifying. It's horrifying and disgusting. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, But it is apparently delicious. Even Nanachi likes it. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I forgot about the whole sequence when they try to send an air balloon. They try to send a message back to tell everyone they're okay, and it gets intercepted by a giant mosquito-looking monster yeah. who just catches it. So, so much for that idea. Um, James, I'm going to let you walk through the Pushka whistle getting stolen and the many gross things that that leads to as well that aren't food-related but are still disgusting. 
Anyway. Yeah, so I mean, we we have uh, you know the the episode was called I think the capital of the unreturned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've known for for a while that um, at some point, um, however many hundreds of years ago, um, people made it down here. The the ganja made it down here, um, and the um, there is evidence that uh, the kids find that. Um, they're, they're, they're being messed with uh, because once they lose their balloon, um, someone manages to sneak through rigs, fancy arm security trap, Yeah, um, manages to uh, graffiti up Nanachi's beautiful little drawing. It was really uh, cute. It is. And I, I do love, uh, um, and you can just kind of see it in the screenshot here, how her, her signature is just like a little, it's a little rabbit face. So it's just this right here. Yeah. Yeah. It's so adorable. <laughs> um, but, um, and uh, they they also managed to steal a bunch of Nanachi and Rico's hair. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the whistle. The the important thing is that Prushka got stolen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Poor Prushka, who got turned into a into a Jello backpack by her great dad, and then um, uh, died horribly, and then yeah. transformed herself into a whistle for Rico, so that they could make their way down to the sixth layer. She's been stolen. Yeah. Um, and in the process of getting, of trying to, to figure out where she is uh, using Reg's masterful sniffing abilities, <laughs> um, they find uh, a couple of carcasses that have had Rico and Reg's hair shoved up their rectums and then sewn shut to like Why? fester and stew. Why? I think is like a message. <laughs> what does it even mean? I'm shoving your hair up this animal's butthole and now I've... Sewn it shut, so you have to cut open his butthole to find your hairs inside. Honestly, it might be literal, knowing the show. Yeah. It, it might be saying, this is literally what will happen to you. You will be shit? Like, no, we're going to shove you up something's butt and then <laughs> sew it closed and leave you to drown. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that yeah. seems like something that would happen. It does. And I'm terrified of the ramifications of that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, so they go on this wild, like, goose chase to find who stole it. And they get led through all sorts of stuff. Oh, I'm I'm glad that you got the screenshot of the penis monster. Okay. So it does eventually lead them to a village full of monsters. Mm-hmm. This one is a dick. That's just a dick. Well, like, I, I was going to say the, the end. Maybe this, this one village. is also a dick. I think these are all just dicks. Well, the entrance to the village looks like a, like a, like a butthole that's been carved right into the earth. Was, it? Um, was that the picture of the bridge? This? Yeah, it's it's hard to see from this angle, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, if you uh, the it, it's the imagery is really not hard to miss in this episode. Like, it, yeah, it, it straight up looks like they're inside something's guts, which I think is honestly kind of cool. I don't yeah. really love yeah. the the butthole imagery, but the way that the show makes this place like it feels like you're inside the guts of the world. Um, yeah, which is again, which is cool, but and apparently filled with penis monsters. It's. It can't, it's not an accident. This cannot be an accident. Like, no, 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 no. Um, no. But look at that so, guy in the corner. He, that little, that pink looking dude, looks like a little muppet. This guy, this guy over here, and the left, or right this there. one. Yeah, he looks this like one. a little muppet. Yeah, I mean, there's some that are, you know, this guy kind of looks like a turtle, maybe. I mean, the guy no. in the middle does also look like a penis with ears. Um, <laughs> It even has the one eye right in the middle. So that's not uh, even subtle. Nope. Uh. No. <laughs> nope. Yep. Made an abyss. Uh, but they're all nice penis monsters. At least they seem to be thus far. So they... Yeah. Oh, no. This was the one I was thinking. <laughs> We've looked at so many monsters. This is the one that caught my attention. Um, <laughs> specifically, when I was watching the show, I'm like, that's just dick. I thought it was the other pink looking one with a similar shape. But there's so many... Well, I mean, um, and, and the red rocket looking dude right to the left as well, also just a... Oh, God, yep. I mean, again. Um, I need to have a conversation with someone <laughs> involved in the making of the show and just to ask, like, why? I mean, one dick, okay. Two dicks, you kind of, you know, but we're at, like, four or five dicks at this I, point. I mean, I will say, in in, in fairness to, to the... the, um, to the, the the artistic integrity of the show, you know, for, for a long time, like HR Giger, right. Yes. Famously obsessed with penises. 
yeah. uh, designed the Xenomorph from the Alien franchise specifically yeah. to look like a big old dick yeah. with a little dick that comes out of its mouth yeah. hole. Yeah. Um, and it goes around penetrating things and impregnating them. So not subtle, right? And yeah, yeah. I think that for as uncomfortable as this show, uh, I think understandably makes a lot of people, including mm -hmm. us. Um, right. I think episodes like this do a, a good job of, of at the very least um, contextualizing some of the obsession with orifices and body parts. It doesn't necessarily feel, I guess I can't say it doesn't feel sexual. It doesn't feel strictly like fetishistic. To me, it almost feels in the same way that like H.R. Giger was using these um, kind of inherent biological forms and, and sort of twisting them into things that looked monstrous and strange. Yeah. Um, I think there is something to the idea of, of making everything feel so undeniably organic and wet. And like, I mean, it, it makes it feel, I think a lot more visceral in that mm -hmm. sense. Um, I think that's a really fair point. Um, I also want to say like, well, we've been pointing out that these dudes all look like dicks. They are very, um, inoffensive and also not intimidating really in any way like this is like taking penis visual like energy yeah it's it's taking that but it, it is rendering it down to a pokemon-esque level where it's just sort of funny but not like i said not offensive uh not really intimidating or scary looking which is sort of like it's kind of like the other side to hr geiger's work where like yeah he's taken that you know covered it in black latex and then made it you know terrifying at the same time um i mean i've got this weird purple guy to the right i think these are his eyes but that might also be an eye and this is a snout but i mean this looks vaguely more like a vulva than oh, yeah. any of the other ones. So, I mean, it's mostly dicks. We do have a, a like a vulva elephant sort of creature going on here as well. Um, and there might be, I don't know how much credit to give to a read on that because what we find out at the end is that anyone who goes down into the abyss, I mean, they've said this multiple times, but anyone who goes down into the abyss does not come back up. Um, but they kind of give an added caveat at the end of the second episode that also that they don't, they never come back up as humans. And so it's sort of implied that these are all, these were all humans at one point, yeah. but they are now dicks, monsters or yeah. something. Yeah. So um, I'm curious if like, there's a deeper read on, yeah, uh, this is what the abyss curse does to you. It turns you into a more primal, thing um and maybe in some cases that's you know something vaguely uh genital like is there a good adjective that means to look like genitals i don't know Cocky. Um, <laughs> no no i don't think that one's gonna cover all the bases okay. um but curious like the one that they have the most contact with is uh, majikaja or or Majikaya. I don't know if like the J is like hard in the beginning and soft at the end or something. Oh but... yeah, like a Swedish J. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but this one doesn't look uh, organic as much. This one looks like yeah, it looks like a uh, construct, right? Yeah. Still very penisy, but still, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, like yeah. you can see the stitching. It yeah. has robot arms. Yeah, and legs. Um, but also the gold city stuff that we saw all looked very technologically advanced too. So I don't, I don't know. There's, I got some questions about this one's origins in particular, but it's supposed to take them to whoever stole their whistle. Yep. And ex did it ask for something in exchange? I can't remember. No, that, and honestly, this is sort of the weirdest part of the episode is, um, it kind of feels like the, the, the team didn't know, like. Um, and this is, uh, and for full disclosure, this is where I, I, I stopped reading the manga because I, okay. I wanted the, the show to be as, uh, as surprising as possible. Yeah. Um, 
And so I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more or less ignorant to like 95% of what's going to be happening in the upcoming arcs, but um, okay. it kind of felt like they didn't quite know where to like end the episode because there wasn't a supernatural cutoff point. Yeah. And so it kind of, he goes like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll take you to the person that, that has your whistle. And then the episode just sort of stops. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. And so, no, yeah. we don't know really like what's waiting for them or yeah. how it, you know. And they did seem the uh, Majikaya did seem mostly just excited that villagers or that um, travelers were there, but they also mentioned that they're not like the first group that's come through. They're like, oh, then they call like, oh, more divers or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they've encountered humans before, but we don't know what became of those humans either. Did they stay there and transform into monsters or did they continue down further? I guess with Rico's mom, we assume that she um, traveled down further. Also, I guess before we wrap up, like a really quick refresher. One of the things about this the show, um, this title, is that all the main characters were literally made in Abyss. And I can't remember exactly how that worked with Rico. Was her mom so, pregnant and went down there and gave birth to her and like put her in a suitcase or something like that? Like I only vaguely remember the circumstances. No, so I can't remember if Rico was um, conceived in the abyss, but she was definitely born. Right. Um, and she was actually, um, she was still born. Okay. Um, she did not, uh, she was not alive when she was born. And um, the artifact, uh, the name of which I can't remember off the top of my head was that super, um, again, speaking of like, vaginal imagery that womb looking thing that like right. box um, right, right, right. Okay. And, they, and they put the stillborn rico into the box and um and she was eventually alive again when like resuscitated when, or something yeah, yeah. Okay. um and so i uh, and again i can't remember if um her mother like became pregnant during the expedition and was just down there for so long that she gave birth like on her way back up uh-huh. Or um, if she was like pregnant and and went down and then then went back up. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. I was, yeah, I'll look that up before the next episode for sure. So yeah, as far as like the first two episodes go, found it a mostly enjoyable watch. Grossed me out. There was some stuff in there that like wasn't super awesome as far as like trigger warning kind of stuff. But I I do think that was at least pulled in enough that you got what they were doing without it feeling uh, salacious, which was, which was good to see. Um, And I'm curious how the, the back and forth between the two groups is going to keep going. If that's going to be like consistent throughout the whole thing, or if we're going to eventually kind of wrap things up with the, the group in the past and just be focusing on our original trio again. But yeah, it's a animation is beautiful. What did you think of uh, Penkin's score so far for the first two episodes? Um, it was great. A, a lot of it was um, a lot of reuse stuff, and okay. so I want to say there was there was one for sure, or not for sure, but there's one where I'm 99% sure it was like a brand new composition that had kind of like a funky, sort of a rhythmic uh, feel to it. Um, but again, I think the music is still so good at communicating the tone, and yeah, um, I think the look of this layer is just so cool. Yeah. Um, even it's, in the shot we've been looking at now, it's got this really neat like marble effect on all of the structure that reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Southwest, like Arizona. Yeah. Like the paint, the painted hills kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty. Yeah, um, I think these episodes almost, I think what I like the most about them is that after the, the ringer of the movie, mm-hmm. It was, I think it was nice to kind of, especially in episode two, get that feeling of the kids like exploring again. And especially since they're at the point where communication from this layer is almost impossible. So none of them really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. I like that too. I'm also excited to see, they're supposed, I think the introduction of another character, just based on the promotional materials, looks a bit like Nanachi um, as far as being a sort of, beast person sort of look with like red gems on them. They remind me of a carbuncle from Final Fantasy. Yeah. Only, yeah. you know, like like Gajinka carbuncle. Yeah. Um so maybe that person or that character will be showing up 
relatively soon. Um, if they're hanging out with these villagers, they kind of stand out though, because they don't really have the the same theme. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. They have too many appendages and yeah. yeah, yeah, not enough weird eye holes right in the middle <laughs> at the top. Yeah. Although I guess I guess Rick does have that on his helmet. He does have the big sort of oh, like singular. This yeah. orb. They like to use those as like uh, just sort of a character design, like stylistic thing. Because uh, I'm gonna mess it up again. Vuiko, Vuiko um, has another has a similar cool hat. Cool hats seem to be very in like if you look at Nanachi's hat, it's got. This part on the back always reminds me of samurai. Yeah, sort of, sort of feel to it. Um, I always forget that's not Nanachi's hair. Like, oh, that's the, just like, this kind yeah. of scaly looking part. Well, no, I mean, even I just... even the the big. Poofy... Oh, is this not? Yeah, the no, fur, that's the fur. Yeah, no, that's just like, uh, like a cape thing, like a cape. Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that either. Well, All they, right. they almost never take it off. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in for our first episode about the new season of Made in the Abyss. We will be back on Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can always watch us live at that time on Mondays. But if you'd like to listen to the podcast version, you can find that uh, usually up early afternoon on Tuesdays on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So thank you again, James, for joining me on this journey into the abyss. Anytime. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.